What is up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to another Review Point podcast coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. I am your host, as always, Tony Mango, and for this edition, I am going to be reviewing my pros and cons and everything in between about the latest entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe series, which is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Just watched that movie yesterday, gave myself a full day to think things over and, to be perfectly honest, to do a whole bunch of other work that I needed to catch up on and everything. And recently, I've been doing less of the movie review points directly, and we've been kind of taking more of, like, the the fan tracks approach to a lot of things, but this movie is not going to be out on Disney Plus for practically another month or so. And I didn't want to wait to do a fan tracks for it. I wanted to get my thoughts out there about it um, and not just necessarily an editorial format. So, hey, look at that. You know, let's do another review point. So I'm going to take it very casually through this. I'm going to kind of use a little bit of the viewer uh, review point system that we've done in the past. I'm going to merge that a little bit with the making the grade system that I usually do when it's more of the editorial side of things, you know, talking about uh story and characters and the tone and music sound you know a lot of the elements that make up the movie rather than specifically going here is a hit there's a negative that that kind of deal but when whatever fashion that it is that you want to review it i want to know what you have to say about shang chi so drop your comments below on youtube or if you're listening to this on some other kind of platform that has no comments go hop on over to the youtube thing and leave your comments there or post something on the page on fanboysanonymous.com or post something on Facebook or send a tweet, whatever it might be. Just, you know, let me know what you thought about the movie too and your thoughts on my thoughts and everything. But if you are on YouTube, then just a reminder of the way that everybody knows how YouTube works by now. But if you're not subscribed already, then go ahead and do that. Ring that little notification bell as well. Hit the like button if you want to boost this in the search algorithms and everything. There is the join button as well where you can Basically sign up the way that you would with Patreon. Patreon is patreon.com slash fanboysanonymous. It's the same thing as the members only stuff on YouTube. It's the same tiers. You got the bonus features. You've got the uh, ability to pick something, the pick or poison tier where you can request something in particular that you want us to do. So if you really want us to do another fan tracks or, you know, you really want us to do uh, like a Mount Rushmore list or an editorial of some kind, whatever it might be. That gives you the option to do that, so keep that in mind. Also, if you want to pick up some merchandise, there's Tee Public and Redbubble shops, so keep that in mind too. Anything you do that helps us out, helps us grow, helps keep me sane, <laughs> anything that goes along that spectrum is greatly appreciated. So now that we got that stuff out of the way, Shang-Chi. This is a character that I... I can't say I was even remotely familiar with up until recently. And now I of course you've heard tons of reviews, tons of discussions about different things in the superhero genre. I've always been into Marvel and DC. Not so much any of the other companies out there like yeah, you know, I've seen the Spawn movie, but like that doesn't really count being a Spawn fan or uh you know, I haven't re- read a single Image Comics book for anything, you know, that kind of deal. But when it comes to, you know, Batman's my favorite, Spider-Man is my number two, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I can tell you a good amount of comic book characters from Marvel and DC because we can get you know, we can start getting deeper into like, uh, you know, 
you go past when the average person can't tell you more than the idea of Green Lantern and they can't tell you Jessica Cruz and they can't tell you, uh, you know, Tomar Ray or whatever. And you can start getting into like Blue Devil and you can start getting into these. I don't know specifics about a lot of characters. Like I have never read a Booster Gold comic, but I can tell you quite a bit about Booster Gold. I can carry a conversation about Booster Gold for multiple different things. I even had a fan cast of Booster Gold. It was, uh, I think his name's Jamie McDorman, who was in the Limitless TV show. He would have been, I think, the perfect Booster Gold. But I digress. The point being, Shang-Chi is not a character that has ever popped up in anything that I've digested. He might have popped up on like one episode of one TV show back in the day that I just completely forgot about. Kind of in the same regard as like the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes had the Guardians of the Galaxy. And that was my introduction really to the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I thought that they were pretty stupid. So like when the movie came around, I'm like, oh my God, they're making a movie out of these characters, these stupid characters. Why would they ever make this thing? And then it ends up being great, of course. And then I'm, you know, I look like an ass because I'm thinking that this is going to bomb. I now have reached a point where with, I mean, not now, I've well past this point, but I had thought that a Thor movie would do poorly. And I had thought for sure Guardians of the Galaxy would do poorly. And I thought for sure that Ant-Man would do poorly and so on and so forth. Well, the MCU continues to basically prove me wrong whenever I think that. So I've stopped thinking that quite a while ago. It's actually in some ways kind of gone the opposite uh, for me because now I'm like, oh, well, of course they're going to knock WandaVision out of the park. And then the show airs and I'm like, Ugh, you know, I'm not really digging it as much. I haven't been really into... Anything that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has put out recently after Spider-Man Far From Home, which has elements that are problematic for it. Both Spider-Man movies have some things that really bug me about them. Overall, they're great movies, but they have some things that really bug me about them. But I'll be perfectly honest, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki to a lesser extent, I like that better, but Loki too, to a certain extent... Black Widow movie and what if I'm not loving. So I was thinking, you know what? I think that we're in a slump here. I think that they planned out pretty much everything up until not every little detail, but they pretty much planned out what they were going to be doing up until Endgame, and then they're coasting. So I was hoping that Shang-Chi would not only prove that wrong and that it would end up being a much better movie than what like Black Widow ended up being. And again, Black Widow is not a bad movie. It's just they have infinitely better movies in this series. And when you do something like a Captain Marvel, which I think is one of the worst ones, and you've got something like Civil War, which is one of the best ones, I think, or uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which is arguably, I think, the best film. If it's not the best, it's one of the top three for sure. It's you know, it's a little bit of variety of quality. And uh, Shang-Chi is not a character that I would have anticipated would have lent itself to making one of the better movies. I thought, all right, well, you know, it's going to be kind of like a martial arts film. It's going to have similar beats to everything that we've seen before. So it's going to feel a little samey. 
or it's going to feel like it's such a radical departure because they don't want it to be samey that it just doesn't feel like it fits. And I don't care about any of the characters because I don't know any of them. And it's pretty stupid that there's a razor fist and all these kind of things. I'll admit it. This movie was way better than I anticipated. And I felt so much better leaving the movie theater than I did. Well, to be perfectly honest, than I did beforehand, uh, you know, just because things have been super stressful. But uh, this was a very welcome two plus hours worth of just getting out of my brain and just enjoying something for the sake of enjoying it. And it wasn't just because of that that I liked it. I legitimately think that this is a good movie. There's some nuance to it that I didn't expect. Yeah, some of the characters are a little bit thin and some of them are not my favorites. And you're not going to have on a list of like my favorite allies. Katie's not going to be in there on like the top 10 or anything. And we'll break this all down in due time. But right now we're in the non-spoiler section of this. So again, don't worry about like me, uh, you know, spoiling absolutely everything with this non-spoiler section. We will eventually get to some of the more specifics, but I'm leaving it very general right now. And then I'll warn everybody when I can say the other part. But the non-spoiler review in short is... I liked this a lot more than I thought that I would. I think that the, everybody that I had seen it with, they, I don't think anybody really disliked it. I know one person wasn't super fan of it, but I think everybody kind of was in the agreement of, yeah, it was pretty good and uh, surprisingly good in some ways. I think I'll break down as far as like general hits and misses, keeping this still non-spoiler. Uh, the action is great. The visuals are great. The sound, when it comes to like music and the sound itself, I am not a sound design type of person. I do not know the specifics behind that. So I could never, ever speak to that and say like, well, you know, the mix should have you know, composited this better. I have no idea what the hell that would be. I can just tell you whether or not something sounded off or if it sounded fine. I always bring up Interstellar to me as being just, it didn't sound like they mixed that right to me or whatever they were going for was not the right thing. And then Tenet, woof, Tenet was bad when it came to sound levels. Just you're explaining things and the music is super duper loud and you can't hear anything. But no problems with that. The music, I have yet to revisit the soundtrack and the score, but... I plan on doing that because I remember thinking at the time, I, I like what I'm hearing. I don't think it's going to be one of those things that I end up saving much of. I don't think I'm going to end up being like, oh man, this is one of those soundtracks like, uh, uh, I'm trying to blank, uh, I'm blanking on something right now that would have been like a, a really, a lot from it. Like <laughs> weird example, Road to Perdition, where a lot of the score I have in my collection because I think that it's really good. I don't think it's going to end up being like that, but I might be wrong. I don't know. So thumbs up when it comes to that on the tone itself. I think that they pretty much nailed everything that I was hoping that they would. Again, the, the action parts, they, they kick ass the drama. It's not the most dramatic of the series, but it has the right level of drama. I think 
The comedy's funny. Pretty much all the jokes land, I think. And there isn't really romance so much. So I would ding it for the romance if I thought that it needed it. But I don't think that it needs it needs it. So I guess generally speaking, that is the is it a hit or a miss? It's a hit kind of thing. But let's get into the spoilers. So and break down more specific characters and kind of dive deeper into this. So if you are not at all interested in the spoiler section, if you've not seen this movie yet, and you don't want to know what's going on with the movie, then by all means, pause this, come back to it a little bit later on or whatever. Um, but let's, let's talk about it. Spoilers from this point on again, just one more warning. So our lead is Shang-Chi or Sean in parts of the movie, which I thought was funny that they did that. Uh, I have not seen him in anything else. Uh, the actor, uh, Simu, Simu Liu, is that how you pronounce it? I'm, I'm probably going to butcher some of these names, and I apologize for that. But uh, I've not seen him in anything else, so I can't judge his acting based off of anything else. But I thought that he was perfectly fine for this part. I thought that he he had the right type of warmth to him without seeming like a pushover. That when they start getting into the elements of the movie where he's got to balance out his mother and his father, it, it made sense, you know. So I think that after they would have gone through however what the process was for the, the casting, I think they picked the right guy for it. Especially because he really nails the action. And the action is one of the biggest parts of this film. So if he wouldn't have been able to pull that off, then it would have seemed rather awkward wouldn't it? <laughs> but he he kills it with that. He's, he's so good. He's got great chemistry with Aquafina too, who is his uh, his girl Friday, his uh, right hand woman, as some people would say. She, I'll admit, she was a character that at first I wasn't liking. She felt a little too much like. She's trying to chew the scenery. She's stealing the show in the wrong way. And her character is obnoxious. Like you're supposed to find her fun, but I'm annoyed at her. But I eventually warmed up to her more. And I think the difference here is there are certain characters in the MCU and, you know, in any movies in general where quirkiness is confused with genuine fun and when characters tend to be a little bit more on the aren't i so different and aren't i so weird and don't you find that endearing those characters i tend to think are annoying as hell <laughs> so darcy for instance in thor is not a character that i like she's been in two movies and a tv show and i was happy she was not in ragnarok now i was glad that she was back in wandavision in the sense that they were continuing on this story of like, yeah, she works for shield now and that kind of deal. I was like, Oh, that makes sense. But pretty much all of her parts in WandaVision, I wasn't really liking cause she was Darcy. Wasn't a fan of that character. So at first Katie, Aquafina's character, she felt like another Darcy. And I was thinking to myself when we're a little bit into the bus sequence, I'm thinking, Oh man, this character is, not going to go away and I'm going to end up hating her guts throughout this whole movie. She got better. So she's not an A plus as far as grading is concerned, 
but she became a hit as far as hit or miss. Obviously, uh, Shang-Chi, he's, he's a hit for sure. Um, some other characters are weaker hits. Some other characters are uh, stronger hits. Like, I really liked Tony Lung's uh, Mandarin. His villain is one of... Eh, I, I wouldn't say he's one of my favorites. Let's backtrack on that a little bit. He is 100% a hit. He is definitely a great villain in a lot of ways that some of the other ones aren't because he's got the ability to make you believe why he's doing what he's doing. He's not just, I'm going to burn the world down and I'm just bad guy. Malekith, for some uh, example, is just bland and boring and... I can't imagine that anybody walks out of the movie that isn't like a comic book fan and doesn't remember Malekith's name. Because I knew Malekith ahead of time a little bit, not much. I mean, when it comes to Thor, my breakdown prior to the movies was pretty much I knew Thor, Loki, Odin, a little bit of the Warriors 3 and uh, Lady Sif, Enchantress. Not too much more past that. So... Malekith was just kind of like, oh, that's a dark elf. Okay, well, that's a, that's a thing. Maybe there's something interesting there. Proved that it wasn't the case. Mandarin, I've known a little bit from watching like the Iron Man cartoon and just generally speaking, the Mandarin's popped up in a little bit more things. So I knew we weren't getting the whole like Fu Manchu thing and that they were merging characters and they were backtracking on things and they were kind of... The whole Ten Rings has been through a weird uh, gestation period, and then this movie comes in that completely makes good on all the other things. And they could have gotten away, basically, with the Mandarin is just, well, that's the real Mandarin, and he is just bad guy. They could have done that. And I think that they could have potentially pulled that off. It just would have been weaker. But with the story here, primarily driving it as he falls in love with Shang-Chi and uh, his sister's mother, then yeah, obviously they have the kids, and that that's driving him to be susceptible to opening up this de- uh, portal dimension with this other thing and whatever. I tell you what, it's not where I would have gone, but... That's mostly an ignorance thing on my part. I think I would have ended up making, if I were to be like writing a movie based off of this, obviously I would have done more research. I would have known more characters because I didn't have any idea who the hell Razor Fist was leading into this movie or Death Dealer or whatever. But if I wouldn't have done the research, I would have assumed that this would have been as simple as Shang-Chi is going to fight a bunch of people and his dad's an evil criminal and that's it. And when you incorporate the love story in here, I think that really gives it a good edge to it that I didn't see coming. So I really like that by the end of the movie. I mean, this character's one of the worst terrorists that you can think of and you're rooting for him to turn good. And eventually when he has his baby face turn, uh, babyface uh, turned good for pro wrestling lingo. When he has that, it feels like it's kind of earned because he's been saying for a while now he's doing this for family and he saves his son 
So I really like this character. Major, major hit. Major hit for Shang-Chi's mom. She was somebody that I really was just, every scene that she's in, I'm just kind of like, okay, she's endearing. I like her. Uh, not just because she's beautiful, but like she has that warmth that you see get passed on to Shang-Chi. And then, funny enough, then the proper balance to that, you've got the uh, the Mandarin passing on that brutal edge to his daughter. Now, I wasn't as big a fan of Shaoling, if I remember correctly, that's how they pronounced her name. Wasn't as big on her as I was hoping that I would be by the end of the movie, because there are parts of it where she was winning me over quite a bit. And then there are parts where she was just kind of falling by the wayside. And I was like, oh, I kind of wanted a little bit more here. Uh, she is still a hit. And I think if we wouldn't have had her character, something would have been desperately missing. Cause then it all would have been through Shang-Chi's eyes. But overall, I mean, she, she's a hit. She's still in the mix. We're still going to get, we got uh, that post credit scene where she's going to be taking over the 10 rings. So if we get Shang-Chi number two, then she'll be some sort of an antagonist. And it'll be interesting to see where she goes with that. Is she going to be a full-blown, really, really bad terrorist? Or is she going to be a little bit more of uh, an anti-hero with just happens to be doing some pretty evil things? I don't know. Um, thumbs up on her for the most part, though. I'll say thumbs down on Death Dealer. This character had nothing to him. It's a decent enough cool-looking costume, I guess. But there's no standout fight sequence that really pinpoints that character as being, like, the deadliest assassin or anything. Couldn't tell you the name of the character without looking it up. And it's just kind of a waste. Like, nameless mook kind of deal. Razor Fist has a little bit more to him. But that's just because they decided to keep the character alive longer and talk and that he's kind of a douchebag and everything. Even then, though, I got to say Razor Fist, for the most part, thumbs down. Not the biggest fan of the villains beyond uh, the Mandarin himself. Loved a lot of the cameos that we got in this. So seeing Abomination fight Wong, very cool. Wong in general just popping up, and then Wong at the end popping up, and then we get this uh, post-credit sequence where it's, for some reason, Bruce Banner back to being Bruce Banner again. I guess we're going to have some kind of an explanation on She-Hulk about that, but his arm's still in a, a sling. you think he'd maybe get like a, on board with that and try to fix his arm. <laughs> Uh, and Captain Marvel showing up and setting up this idea of where do the rings come from and what is going on with this, whatever. I want to know your theories. So drop a comment below. I think because the 10 rings are nothing like they are from the other source material. That used to be actual rings. And he, uh, the Mandarin had taken it from a crashed spaceship. And I was thinking that what the direction that they were going to go in this movie was this big evil monster that they were heading towards was going to be Fin Fang Foom. And that that was going to be sort of where the rings came from and that it would be the size of the rings being, you know, the, where you could wear them as like bracelets essentially were 
because the fingers, I guess you would say, uh, the digits of Fin Fang Foom are as like big as somebody's arms. I thought that that's where they were going to go here. And then they end up having the, whatever they call the soul sucker things and the, the great protector and whatever. You got a bunch of dragons, but you don't have Fin Fang Foom. And we don't know where the rings are coming from. So I've heard some theories. I don't buy into pretty much any of them. One theory that I'm seeing around a lot is that they were created by Kang the Conqueror and that they were from the future and that that's why nobody can recognize what they are is because they haven't been made yet. One theory is that they were made by the Celestials, which I think has more credibility to it than Kang by far. One is that it has something to do with Galactus, which Galactus and the Celestials are tied in some ways, so maybe. I do think that the Eternals make sense as something that they can factor into, because that's going to be a thing for sure. So if it is the Eternals and it is the Celestials, that makes sense. Um, in any fashion, the fact that it's just, you know, the Avengers are just sort of still recruiting and everything... I want to know who's heading up the Avengers. <laughs> like, ah, what's happening now since then? You know, like, what's up with Cap? I still want Cap to just be there. Just guilty pleasure. I wish that Iron Man could come back. I wish that Ares characters could just kind of come back and whatever. But huge fan of a lot of those kind of parts of this movie. I hated Trevor Slattery in Iron Man 3. That whole twist I thought was terrible. The character was funny for that, but I thought that the, the twist was just like, God damn it, everybody, what the hell? So, despite how I hated that in Iron Man 3, I really liked that they brought him back for this. And I loved the idea, too, that he was going to get killed, and during his, uh, not assassination, what would the term be? Um, execution, that he ended up basically becoming a court jester. I thought that, that was a nice little twist. The little chicken pig thing that they were talking about. Uh, so many people are going to be like, I want a plushie of that. Like kind of deal. Um, but that weird relationship that Trevor has as like a good guy in the mix with all this was a welcome surprise. That was a hit. Oh, I forgot to mention aunt, uh, aunt Nan. Is that what her name was? Jiang Nan, uh, Michelle Yo. big fan of her character. Thought that, that was great. She's, you know, the, the elder going into whatever we get within the future, Talo, I think was the name of the area that they were from. So this other dimension is going to be factoring somewhere. Don't know how, don't know where, don't know when, any of that stuff. But she has a presence to her that is just, it's a different sort of, I guess just like reverence for just kind of like, you can tell she's wise, <laughs> like she's great for that. And it's funny because she is somebody who I, I know, of course, more than anything, I know her from Tomorrow Never Dies, which if you want to go back and check that out, the uh, Reviewable Kill series is something that we've broken down, broken down all of the Bond films. So go back and check out the Tomorrow Never Dies one when it comes to that. But she's also somebody that I just assumed wouldn't be in this movie because she was already in the MCU. She was in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's a brief, brief part, but she is 
Aletta Ogward in the, one of the post-credit sequences. So she is one of at least two, but possibly more than two. I'm, I'm only thinking of one other person, and that's going to be uh, somebody in the Eternals that was in Captain Marvel. People who were recast within the MCU. So that's pretty interesting. But she uh, she served her part very very well. She, I would assume, would be coming back for a sequel or some other kind of part somewhere in the mix there. So characters overall, solid. Not the best characters. There aren't many characters here that I would be like, wow, man, I really want to make sure that they're in like 20 different movies going forward, like with some of the other characters like Coulson and... Uh, you know, that Cap and Thor and whatnot, Tony. But I think that uh, that that's a, a major selling point for the movie was, even though you don't know these characters, they still worked. Story, uh, it goes in a different direction than I would have anticipated. I think it works very well. I am very curious to see what happens with Shang-Chi having access to the rings and this beacon thing going forward. The romance angle, like I mentioned before, there isn't really a romance. There is kind of a little bit, there's a little bit of a hint towards the end there. Not you know, a little bit. I mean, they they don't hit you over the head with it at the very least, but it seems like Katie and Sean are uh, going to be an item. They didn't need to go heavy-handed with it. I think that that was perfectly fine the way that that was. So that gets passed. The comedy, again, I mentioned before, I thought that was really funny. I don't have specific notes because I was just trying to enjoy the movie and not really kind of just take everything in for a future review. So down the line, if somebody, you know, you got a question, oh, what was your favorite joke? I'll probably think of something else. But action-wise, my favorite action sequence might be the side of the building. I think that one, that one might be my favorite. It's either that or the train, or the bus, not the train. Uh, those were two of the best ones. And yeah, I guess my overall takeaway for this, I put this up on my ranking for the MCU. Right now, it's in the C tier, but don't make that seem like that's really bad. I mean, of course, there's S tier, A tier, B tier, and then we get to C tier. But it's the top of the C tier right now. I put it above Ant-Man and the Wasp because I think it's a more well-rounded story itself. I put it above the Incredible Hulk, which I think is honestly a little bit underrated. And I put it above Iron Man 2, which is another movie that it's got flaws, it's got problems to it, but I think it's necessary glue for the MCU. And it's an easier watch than some of the other ones. So I rank it higher than Iron Man 3. I rank it higher than Black Widow, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the first Doctor Strange I rank it higher than. All the TV shows, Captain Marvel, WandaVision, uh, Thor The Dark World. It's something that I can't rank it in the top range like Guardians 1 or Endgame or Iron Man or the A-tier type stuff like Black Panther, which is just you know narrowly not in the S-tier because Black Panther is really good. But I think that this works far better than I anticipated that it would. And I walked out of this very happy. So... Credit to all those in charge that were taking this on and taking a character that was very obscure and making it something that people are going to start knowing who Shang-Chi is. That's kind of crazy 
you know, I'm still like in awe that we got half of this kind of stuff. Like when the X-Men movie was coming out, I was just like, my God, we're getting an X-Men movie with like real people. This is crazy. We're getting a Spider-Man movie. This is nuts. And then you start getting into the whole, like, if I could tell my 10-year-old self and be like, this is what happens in Endgame, it would be like, this is insane. And to think, you know, a couple years past that uh, that mark from Iron Man, you get a movie like a Shang-Chi, and it feels like it's a legitimate blockbuster. Very cool. I'm not a fan of... Movies like uh, I haven't seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, so I didn't come to this with that expectation of I want to see that style of filmmaking, but I, I liked it a whole lot for that. I did not come into this as a big Shang-Chi fan, but I ended up walking out more of a fan of the character than I thought that I ever would be, and I would totally be down for Shang-Chi too. I think he might work better without having his own solo film. I think he's... Probably one of the ancillary characters going forward, but hey, if uh, if they want to do it, I'll watch it. So the movie's definitely a hit as far as the review point is concerned, at least from my point of view. Let me know what you think in the comments below and what you want to hear me review next and anything else you want to talk about. I don't know. Let me know. <laughs> So that's going to do me in for this edition of the Review Point. Thank you for listening, everybody. And I will see you next time with whatever is coming up next. But for now, it's time for me to geek out.